thank you. Thanks, Tyler and team, for leading us this morning. We're continuing on in our series in the book of Acts, and if you have a Bible or an app, if you want to grab that and turn to Acts chapter 9, we're going to be looking at verses 32 to 43 this morning. Uh, you, will, you will all be very aware that mental health is definitely an issue in our day, and I, as I wrote that and Sorry, this was... It's probably a topic that hits all of us. And as Brendan and I were even uh, driving here this morning, we just continued to think about people... need. You're not doing so well. <laughs> you know, I'll get started. Yeah, he'll get going. You made it, you made it a, a sentence in a bit there. We, we, we walked in this morning weeping. Weeping for friends of ours who, who, who is his son who, um, and we prayed last week about this, son who, you know, we grew up with, you know, all your kids playing together, changing their diapers, and your son is going through some really, really heavy mental health issues, maybe even looks like schizophrenia. He's 26 years old. His name is Micah. So when we talk about mental health issues, it's not just what we're experiencing right now. There's things in the past too where you've all you've all seen it you've, you know it you, you you've been there you've been in that place where you're just like Lord help us like blind Bartimaeus who says Lord Jesus Son of David have mercy on me and that's what we came into church this morning thinking of all the times in the past and I knew we'd have trouble because we were already weeping on our way in. All the times in the past where we pleaded and begged with God for healing, for family members, for friends, for people we know, and to patiently trust in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Amen. Okay, thanks. I'm good. I know you're good. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm just I'm calling an audible here on you. It's you give are. You, give you a minute here, just a second. I'm good. Because it's not yeah. just you guys. I know yeah. many of you are going through grief mm-hmm. and struggling right now, and we're all just going to take a minute to take a deep breath. And, uh, yeah, trust in the sovereignty of God. But I know mm-hmm. that, uh, actually, it was our youth that uh, learned about grief mm-hmm. and worship together this past week. Mm-hmm. I think it was right. Tuesday, yeah. right before, week before. Yeah. And uh, my daughter came home just excited about grief and worship at the same time as they were processing Chan's resignation and stuff in our youth ministry and those two go together and I know that there's others that are processing grief and then they're singing about the greatness of God and that's really hard and I, I felt it the other day when I was we had a congregation meeting here on, and it was the, the amazing reports of the ministries that are happening here and all the stuff that's happening in transition and I just I felt so torn and pulled. Let me pray 
And then we'll, we trust that the Word of God will speak some comfort and give you some strength here this morning. Amen. You good? Yes. Okay. Lord, uh, we pray for Micah. Mm-hmm. We pray for uh, all those other people that we are thinking of right now, not just people that are struggling with mental health. We pray for those people that are struggling with grief and depression and just all of the sadness, the weight, the pressure. And Jesus, we ask you to come and just, just be in that with them. We ask you to take it from them, but if that weight is still there, that you would just be present in that weight and in that grief and in that frustration and pain with them. Uh, we do want to hear from your word through Reg this morning, Lord, and so strengthen him to uh, speak boldly to us in your name. Amen. Amen. I'll come back if you need more help. Yes, no, okay. Let's go. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, I hope you can handle some reality. Uh, it's just the way it is. I'm sure that everyone sitting in this room has someone they know who struggles with some form of mental health issues. And that's why it's important for us to actually talk about it. Because in the past, it was something that we didn't talk about. And uh, it was something that families just quietly suffered through. And as we talk this morning, I want, we're talking about God's healing power. And the healing work of Jesus is our focus today. So I, that, you know, the downside is this is real. The upside is that Jesus is the one who he brings healing. Jesus is the one who is present. And that doesn't mean that he makes it all better, uh, but he is the one who walks with us in these times. So often we can pray for physical ailments, but when it comes to things like mental health or even relational health, uh, where it's less obvious, but I would suggest to you this morning, healing is just as needed in those areas. So relational healing is something that we need to look at. And we're going to look at some very physical healings this morning. But I think even as you read through uh, the Gospels and you look at what Jesus, how Jesus led and how he, uh, he healed people, often some of the things we see there can be physical ailments, but they could also be very much mental health issues. Like I think about the man who is completely naked and running around and beating up people. And I mean, you look at that and go like, schizophrenia. Like we have labels for things these days that they didn't have when the Bible was written. So let's read the text together this morning. Turn with me to Acts 9. We're going to start reading at verse 32. And I just want to read the whole text. So you either listen to it or follow along and read. But listen to this. This is the word of the Lord. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek her name is Dorcas, and she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while he was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. 
Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Lord, as we look at these words, reveal through the power of your Spirit in this room and online this morning what you are speaking to us, what you want to say to us, and how you want to encourage us this morning. We pray in your name, Jesus, and in your power. Amen. In this story, we see Peter continues his ministry outside of Jerusalem. And he's traveling around to these various cities, these villages in Israel. And he starts with people who have come to faith in Jesus. Anus is a believer, is a follower of Jesus. And you'll notice that as a follower of Jesus, he still is paralyzed. His life circumstances had not changed. They had remained the same. And it doesn't tell us anything about him saying to Peter, Peter, I want to be healed. Just Peter walks in and sees this man, and I'm sure led by the Holy Spirit, and that's the focus of our Acts series, is where do we see the Holy Spirit at work? Here we see the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit would have prompted Peter to just simply say, Aeneas, God wants to heal you today. And we see that in this text. He just simply says to him, you notice there isn't even a prayer. He just says, get up, get up. I want to let you know this morning that uh, when we talk about healing, you'll, you'll often find teaching in the, around that talks about, you know, we, we, we command healing, and, and I think we ask for healing, I think we desire healing, I think it's something we should, we should normalize, that we pray for healing. But I also wanted to let you know that healing is not guaranteed. I look at somebody like Aeneas, and so he's a follower of Jesus, but he's still paralyzed. So God doesn't say, everybody who becomes my follower, I'm just going to fix everything. Those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a while, you go, yes, isn't that true? I'm not just going to fix everything. I'm going to be with you. You know, we live in a broken, sinful world. And that broken, sinful world is what we experience every single day. And when we see these glimpses of healing that take place, it's like the kingdom of God is breaking forth in that moment. And we see glimpses of it, and we wait for when it's going to break forth in great power. And we look with expectation on that. But healing is not guaranteed. Scripture doesn't tell us that if we ask for it, it's, it's going to happen. But Peter here, we see in this story, Peter was the one who took the initiative. And I love that. It's like, are we listening to the Holy Spirit of God? And are there times where as you walk by somebody, and, you, and maybe the nudging of God says, would you just stop and listen to a person? And then would you just pray for them? Did that this morning with somebody who was here this morning. I had an usher who said, I saw this person come in. They looked like they had tears in their eyes. I took a second. I went over to them. I knew them. I called them by name. I said, what's going on? They shared with me. I said, can I pray for you? I prayed for them. You know, it took two minutes. Two minutes. It's all we need to do. Peter is sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, you may wonder about this, but Paul also writes about this, the healing, 
that takes place. So Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this about living in, with brokenness, living with weakness. In 2 Corinthians, the second letter, uh, possibly the third letter to the Corinthian uh, church, he writes this in chapter 4, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and is not from us. It's from God. So he's saying, look, we are jars of clay. We, are broke. we can be easily broken. And in this brokenness, God wants to show his power. And he makes us to be able to go through the things. So Paul is saying this power from God comes when our weakness is seen. He goes later on in the letter, he says this, and in 2 Corinthians 12, he makes it very personal. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in, what's the end? Weakness. Not in your strength, but in your weakness, God's power is seen. He goes on, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So even though Paul prayed for healing, Paul, the one who could heal others and did, he wasn't healed. So healing isn't a guarantee. We're not guaranteed healing. Do we ask for it? Yes. Does it happen? Absolutely. But we aren't the ones who demand it and control it and push it around. Power of Christ was in Paul even in the lack of healing. So how does healing come? We see it in verse 34. Healing comes in the name and power of Jesus. Jesus' name and power is the way in which healing takes place. Not because there's something about his name, there's something about his person. And using the name is invoking the very person who's attached to that name. Peter is clear to all those present that it is Jesus who is doing the healing. This isn't about Peter. It is never about us. It is always about Jesus. As we look at this text, let's turn to the second healing, that of Tabitha or Dorcas, and raising her from the dead. And these widows, of which Dorcas may have been one, we don't hear if she was married, but she may have been one of the widows. And she had done a lot of loving on these other people. And they were blessed by her generosity, by her use of her gifts. And I want you to notice in this story what would have normally happened if somebody died is, yes, they would have washed the body. They would have then very quickly moved to embalming, wrapping the body, and burying it because this is a hot climate and you want to get on with the burial as soon as possible. You'll notice that does not happen in this story. Isn't that amazing? I read that and I said, you know, we can just gloss over those things. I was like, no, actually, think about it. They took this, they washed her body, but they took her to an upper room and waited. What's interesting as well is that uh, they sent two people to go and get Peter, and Peter was 19 kilometers away. So it would have taken them quite a long time to get there. Peter, you need to come with us and to come all the way back. Meanwhile, this body potentially is decomposing. So Peter does something unique. 
And Aeneas' healing, it doesn't say who was there. We, we know Aeneas was there. It doesn't say he sent anybody away. Could have been there was a group that was present. But in this situation, he actually sends everybody out of the room. I want you all to leave. And in this instance, he actually prays. He kneels down and he prays. And then he simply says to her, Tabitha, get up. Tabitha, get up. So there's two very different ways that healing take place. One is, seems to be maybe more public, and the other is specifically private. I want you to notice in all of this that the name of Jesus, when it's used and, it, and he responds in healing, does so because it gives him honor and praise. Gives Jesus honor and praise. Healing gives honor to Jesus. We see that in verse 41, where he gives Tabitha back to the believers and they are presented to them alive. And I'm sure there was great joy in the moment. And Jesus was honored. It's not the one with the gift of healing and the one who prays in faith for healing who gets the honor, but it's Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone. Healing prayer is a prayer of faith as well. We see it in verse 38 and verse 40. Uh, just simply to say to Aeneas, hey, uh, you know, God wants to heal you today. Get up, put your bed away. Like, just get ready for the day. With Tabitha, it's get up. Uh, there's this sense of faith that needs to also be there. Just simply saying, I need to take a step. So, you know, sometimes a step of faith is as simple for us as saying, I need help. Would you pray for me? It's as simple as that. That's a step of faith. Saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this alone. I need you today. I need you right now. That we say yes to that. James writes about this in James chapter 5. He says, if, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. How? In the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So it's God's work. God is the one who raises them up. We pray. We're faithful. But God is the one who responds and God is the one who acts. Then he goes on and says, and I think this is really important. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to step together to pray with and for one another. One final thing to note out of this text is that healing results in people worshiping and turning to Jesus. I just think, as I look at that, it's like the, the reason God heals is so that other people will hear and respond. This is just so incredibly important. Luke, who's writing these accounts, makes sure to include it in both of these healings. And I, don't, I think that is critically important. The healing results in people hearing and seeing and them then turning to Jesus knowing that he has the power to heal, but he also has the power to transform their life. These healings weren't kept secret or private. People knew of the sickness and the death, and now they saw the power of God. They saw the power of God poured out. Wonderful. 
So this morning, as we look at these, this text, and we've just done a, I feel like just done a skim over, and just, you know, we talk about healing, that could be like months of, of preaching and teaching around healing, but this is just really simple as we need to ask. We need to ask. All of us at some point in our life um, need prayer, whether it's for physical healing, mental health issues, relational brokenness that needs a touch. We all need it. We need to have people come alongside us and say, can we pray for you? Can we walk with you? So Jesus wants to heal us. That's where I want to start. When I look at this text and I read it and I look at the life of Jesus, he wants to heal. He wants to heal. So we don't have to doubt that. Does God want to heal today? Yes. So healing prayer as followers of Jesus, and I, I don't care what your spiritual tradition is, but as followers of Jesus, our Our go-to should be that healing prayer is just a normal part of our journey. It just—we got to normalize it, folks. We got to say, "I'm I'm sick. I'm going to tell some people. I don't have to tell the world. I don't have to tell the whole church. I can tell some friends, and I can have them come around me and pray." But we we do it. We just do it. And you know what? It doesn't. it, It it can start with the person who needs the prayer, and it can start with people who hear the need. It can go flow both ways. So we don't have to sit and wait till somebody asks us. We can ask and say, can I pray for you? And step into it. Uh, so I really want to encourage us to be those who step into prayer, who ask Jesus to touch us, who ask Jesus to transform us, who ask Jesus to minister to us in that place that, where we need it. Uh, all of us, I'm sure, have been hurt and damaged by others. I mean, if, if I were to say, nobody's ever been hurt by somebody else. Uh, you'll say, well, no, that, I'm sure that's happened. Often we think, um, you know, churches hurt people. And I would suggest to you that people inside churches hurt people. The church doesn't do it. People do. People hurt people. Uh, and often hurting people hurt people. Uh, I've said to, my, I said to myself often, Lord, help me to have the skin of a rhinoceros and the heart of a dove. And too often it's the opposite. We have the skin of a thin-skinned, and we end up with a hard heart. And that's not God's desire for us. And if that's a place where you are, where you have, your heart is getting hard, I want to encourage you, you need prayer for healing. Because God wants to heal that heart. There is when we allow our hearts to remain unforgiven and bitter. Uh, you, you know, I read the text that talks about bitterness is a root of bitterness that can well up inside of us. And does that mean it's easy? No. But forgiveness is where we need to start. Because when we don't offer forgiveness, when we don't, uh, when we don't stay soft, it really draws us away from Jesus and away from what he wants for us. So I want to encourage you this morning, pray for healing, ask Jesus to heal you know, there's times in our world and our culture where we're actually not following the commands of God. So I'm going to give you some, just some really, I'm going to land this practically. I had a conversation this week with somebody, and I said, you need to learn to take a Sabbath rest. And they did not want to hear it. I have all this stuff I have to do. Well, no, you don't, actually. So I want to encourage you, are you taking a Sabbath rest? Now you're going to say, well, Pastor Reg, what are you talking about? 
I'm talking about actually resting. You don't work. Like you find something that, that gives you life. So for me, uh, this week, I have full week, lots of meetings, lots of work to do. I finally, have, I mean, this is, and I'm, you know what, I'm preaching to myself. My wife's over there going like, you have no idea what you're talking about because you don't do it yourself. So I'm preaching to myself, okay? You can hold me accountable. Come, out, come to me next Sunday and say, Greg, did you take a pass? Did you take a Sabbath this, this week? And I'm going to do my best. We'll see how it goes. But this week, I just, was, I just what, what gives me life? I had to go, I went for a walk. Just outside for an hour. Just outside, enjoy God's creation, physically move my body. All, whatever it is for you, you need to find a Sabbath rest. So when, sometimes when we are grumbling and complaining about life and, and wondering why we're out of balance, it's because we actually aren't following God's commands. We're not. We're not taking a Sabbath rest. So that would be one thing. Another very practical thing that I find for me is when I'm finding myself on the edge of stuff, like this morning, I ask myself these, these five things. Halt, uh, am, I, am I hungry? So my family knew that when I came home from work at, you know, 5 o'clock or whenever I came home, because usually I come home at 5 because I had to be out at a meeting at 7. So I come home at 5, and Dad walks in the door, and they could tell, like, instantly, don't mess with him. And they would say, Dad, do you need something to eat? And it's like, I, you know what? I don't know if I've eaten at all today. And so I, okay, so hungry. So like just do an, just do an assessment, hungry. Uh, am I angry? Is there something going on that's just pushing all my buttons? Uh, am I lonely? Loneliness can create this kind of, you know, response of uh, unhealthy response. Am I tired? There's times where I've just been like, I'm just tired. Like, that doesn't make my response right. But I'm just tired. I need to rest. I need a good night's sleep. And it'll be better. And the last one is, am I stressed? Am I stressed? Like, is there stuff going on? And so if I just do this evaluation, it's like, oh, yeah. So what, what do I need then to answer this? Okay, I'm stressed. I need to figure out, Lord, maybe I need more time in prayer. I need to just lay this before you and actually speak it out and say, this is what's bothering me. This is the stress. That's part of what does it mean to be healed is actually to do some of these practical things. Let's take a Sabbath rest. God has created us to be intricate and beautifully created and all of our systems work together. And we need to listen to him. Uh, I would say as we close, invite others to pray for you. You've never done that. I would encourage you just to say, would you pray for me? Go to somebody who you respect and say, would you pray for me? And the other side of that, of course, is offer it. Somebody shares a need, can I pray for you? Just can I pray for you instantly? That should just be normal. Last of all, share what Jesus has done for you. Our stories of healing draw others to Jesus. Even if it's not healing, healing, but I I met with somebody this week, and they just talked about how uh, they were going through a really difficult journey that the person who was in the midst of that journey actually was ministering to the people around them. And so God uses us in our weakness, like just like Paul describes in 2 Corinthians. So our stories aren't always of healing, but they are about God's power and presence in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, as we have looked at this text, we thank you that you have called us to be those who can call to come to you and, and request healing. 
And Lord, this morning, I, I just pray over us. Uh, Lord, I pray there. I know there are people in this room who, who, and online who, who need a touch. And if they're online, Lord, I pray that they would just go onto that chat and somebody would be there and respond and, and just say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Lord, this morning in this room, we, we want to pray for people. Uh, we want to care for people. We want to love them just like you love them. So help us to do that as we pray for them. Amen.